Welcome to Keeping Score. I'm Rick Haro. Each week we bring you insights from the playmakers, dealmakers, and rule makers in the world of sports. I'll give you my take on some of the items of the week using my 30 years of experience doing deals for teams, leagues, and players in the $750 billion business of sports. Plus, we'll talk with a central figure in the sports world. The views expressed in this podcast are my own and do not represent the views of Reuters. Let's get started. Big-time sports week. We've had World Cup, obviously, football just around the corner. But let's talk baseball. Washington, D.C. celebrates the Home Run Derby, the rookie game, the trade fest called the Baseball All-Star Week. And frankly, it is a big time to push the reset button as summer continues halfway home for Major League Baseball. Dan Colarusso, our world global editor and guru, hopeless Met fan. What happened to your Mets? Um, I don't know, Rick. Um, they apparently don't know how to play baseball very well. But Neither here nor there, because there are perfectly good teams in perfectly big markets who are uh, who are performing very well, um, and you know, baseball still isn't catching fire. Uh, it's interesting. You have the Yankees and the Dodgers and uh, all those teams playing the way they expected. The Red Sox are doing well, yet baseball. You mentioned ratings are going to be down. Uh, what's the diagnosis for uh, America's pastime? Yeah, well, the scene set's even more amazing when you think about it. Uh, fewer than 30,000 fans on average for the first time since 2003 as they turn to the second half, about 5% decrease. Let's call it the stratification in business terms. You know, this year, there may be as many six teams winning 100 games, which is great. But there also may be as many five teams losing 100 games, which means the pennant races aren't going to be as interesting you have all-stars who will probably be traded by the time this is posted. Nothing worse than a team who has their one big player making the all-star team, and then all of a sudden, uh, they're gone. And the whole trade early guys wears me the wrong way. What about you? Yeah, I, I, you know, I don't know how it rubs me because at, at, at base, you know, professional sports has become financial engineering and asset allocation, right? Uh but I think it bores the hell out of fans. I mean, you know, you know, it's a baseball's a long season. Basketball's a long season. When you have teams going into funks and deciding early that they have to sell their winners, uh, <laughs> you know, or or kind of take you know dump contracts or take on big contracts of guys who are failures. Um, that kind of, it doesn't make for an interesting game. I think we get back to the game. You know, so many of your, your, your best guests talk about that. Like, the product you put on the field has to be good. And we're in a situation where, you know, every team that's under 500 now feels like some edition of the Pirates from the 1990s and early 2000s. Yeah. And I guess, I guess even better value-wise, too, you could say Major League Baseball, for Rob Manfred's perspective, is doing a good job based on average franchise value. They're worth about a billion six a team, according to Forbes, 7% more than last year. But the team's revenue is interesting. The Yankees sit on their own top group, 20% more revenue than any other team. Then the second group, the Dodgers, the Cubs, the Giants, the Red Sox, are teams in big cities with strong brands. That third group, by the way, the Mets, I know they're in the big city, but you consider them the third group, and, yeah. the, and, the, and, the, Blue, and the Blue Jays. And, and then there's basically everybody else. The Rays and the A's bring up the rear. They need new stadiums. But the bottom line is 
Major League Baseball needs to sustain and grow and make sure their weakest markets are strong enough because like any anything else, you're only as strong as your weakest link. Right, and over a long season, you need new storylines. Uh, you know, the Yankees are a great storyline this year, as much as I hate to say it. The Yankees are a great storyline this year. But it's a long time to stay with one storyline. You know, um, uh, you like the idea of a team coming up from, from nowhere, like the, I think the Diamondbacks did a couple of years ago. You know, you like the mystique of the Cubs or the tradition of the Red Sox. But you have to intertwine those with new stories, and I don't think there are a lot of new narratives around baseball. The games are too long, and I'm I'm actually starting to wonder, you know, just in this conversation, are we the are we at the end of a of an asset bubble on TV rights, and is that gonna is that really the thing contributing to the net worth growth of the teams, and is that on the cusp of changing? Is that at the end of something? You know, we talk about it on football and college bowl games being overinflated. Maybe the baseball deals just got too big uh, with the lo- with the regional channels. Um, is there going to be some consolidation there? I don't know, you know. I mean, there, there's a talk of relegation, you know. There's some theoretical talk of relegating teams. Um, I, I, there has to be a better way to keep it, to keep the competition more interesting over the course of those 162 games. L- let's put it this way. You remember a few years ago, we'd have had the conversation about the Yankees and everybody else because their cable deal was so much more prolific. And now at least the regional deals are higher for many of the teams, which gets them in the ballpark. The Phillies, for example, obviously the Cubs, even the Cardinals now too. But it's also the combination of advanced media. You know, Major League Baseball's network, 70, 67% spread around the teams, and advanced media, about 100%. We're talking about digital. We're talking about getting Twitter and Facebook and others involved like we are with other sports. So I'm not as worried about that because if the traditional TV bubble bursts, then another bubble gets created. I'm a little more worried about the kids who are always going to play something else. Maybe it's football. Maybe it's now soccer with some of the World Cup. You've got to make up a lot of ground. Maybe it's obviously basketball. And, you know, bringing us to our, our guest, uh, Cal Ripken Senior Foundation, run by Steve Salem, the president, 78 youth development parks in 22 states. And Big announcement over next week with new facilities that are being done in Baltimore, Pittsburgh, Washington, other cities like Chicago and Detroit and Miami. And the whole key to this is that Cal Ripken Jr. lends his name to a foundation on behalf of his dad to grow the game with kids all over America, inner cities, reservations, suburbs, everywhere else. Steve Salem, the head of the foundation, talks a bit about goals and objectives. Here's what Steve Salem has to say business of sports, trillion dollar sports business, and in many ways it revolves around some of those key industry leaders who have the right business acumen but also the ability to do the right thing. We have one here, the representative, really the top guy, Cal Ripken's glorious career, Iron Man, Hall of Fame, uh, but he does so much more than that. The Ripken Foundation, rather than me waxing eloquent on it or trying to wax eloquent, Steve Salem, its president. How are you, Steve? Fine, thank you. It's good to be here. Awesome. Let's talk a little bit about the Ripken Foundation, just an elevator speech. And it's a long elevator ride, so give us an idea of what the foundation does. So what we are doing is literally in all 50 states trying to provide opportunities. We use baseball as a hook, but it really is just a hook provide opportunities to kids who have been left behind, at-risk kids, distressed communities, using baseball to provide them with a platform 
to move forward in life in a positive way. There are a lot of people whose foundation mandate is similar to that. The difference is Cal has scaled it to the point of unbelievable national success. Uh, how special is Cal Ripken to work with? Uh, he's incredible. Nobody cares more about these kids than Cal and his brother Bill. Uh, they are 100% committed to beyond their baseball careers, making a difference in the lives of these kids, and that's what they want to, as their legacy. They don't want to be remembered for what they did on the field. They want to be remembered for what they did off the field. Give us an example of your kind of core business facility. Perfect world, mixture of fields, education. We understand that there is a, a STEM training involvement as well, female empowerment. You do it all. Yeah, we, we're doing a lot of things. We, have, we really are broken down into two um, primary areas. First, we build what we call youth development parks, which are synthetic turf, million-dollar-plus parks in the toughest neighborhoods in America so that the kids who reside there have the same opportunities to play and play anything that our kids have. Now, these parks happen to be state-of-the-art, spectacular places, and if they want to play competitive sports, now they have the opportunity. If they just want to go for a walk and play kickball with their friends, now they have that opportunity. And then the second thing we do is we have a, a um, uh, group of programs like the ones you mentioned, STEM. We're, we're putting STEM centers in inner city schools. Uh, we have a program called GREAT, which is to empower young women. And so we're changing that, uh, you know, we're changing the, the dynamic of these communities and the trajectory of these kids' lives. You get into a community, Cal Ripken's name, obviously very important, but it doesn't close the deal. It gets the door open. What's the kind of chronology? Is it the mayor? Is it an appropriate public-private partnership? Do you deal with groups like the Police Athletic League and other community support organizations, or is it all of that? It's all of that. Uh, it varies community to community. What we're looking for in any community, big or small, are people who care first about the kids. It's not about Cal. We don't have an ego. We don't care if anybody ever knows we were involved. We're just trying to help these kids, and we're looking for like-minded people. And sometimes it's the mayor, sometimes it's the local police athletic league, sometimes it's the Boys and Girls Club, sometimes it's a successful, wealthy individual who is at a point in his life where it's time to give back. We hope it's all four of those and more, because uh, that's when the program works the best. But we're looking for people who care and who have the ability to help generate resources so that we can bring them to these kids. You have a, and this is a business show, so you have a scalable business, basically. Um, Give me an idea of the, of the numbers, your, your organization itself and your goals and aspirations and how many projects do you want to do in a certain period of time? Right. So we, uh, 12 years ago, we were basically a $1 million organization. Uh, today we have uh, an annual fundraising goal of $35 million, uh, which we will hit. Uh, our, we have built 65 youth development parks across the country. And doing the math, it's at least a million dollars apiece. Some of them were multi-million dollar projects. Um, we invest about half of the resources to bring those projects to bear, um, and the local community brings the other half. Um, our goal by 2020 is to have 150 
of these parks. Twelve years ago, we were serving or impacting about 25,000 kids, primarily through local baseball clinics. Today, this year, we'll impact over 1.2 million kids. Our goal is to get to 2 million kids per year by 2020. Uh, so it's been a fun ride. It's a little bit overwhelming, but, but Cal's name carries a lot of clout when you go into these communities. But it's his passion and his commitment. I mean, he really passionately cares, and it's contagious. And you could tell the uh, BS uh, uh, prohibition doesn't stop at Cal. I mean, you are a guy who puts your money where your mouth is as well. Steve Salem, your background, Boys and Girls Clubs, but you've come out of the nonprofit business as well, right? Absolutely. I, I actually did a short stint with the New York Yankees out of law school. Well, they're not and a nonprofit then, business. You know, they're not, definitely not a nonprofit. <laughs> and then uh, went to Boys and Girls Clubs of America for 15 years. Uh, ended as the vice president of government relations there, running the government relations office. And then went over at the request of Cal and Bill to the Ripken Foundation. It's an interesting experience. Can you give us some sense of the similarities and differences, probably more similarities, between running a... Uh, mid-level corporation versus the nonprofit that you're running today? Well, to me, my philosophy is there's no difference. You need a product that people want to invest in. You need to keep your word, do what you say you're going to do. You need to generate interest and excitement. Um, the challenge that we have in the nonprofit world that maybe you don't have in the for-profit world is we don't really have a product to sell. We're selling the heartstrings. Um, but in every other way, we have built and continue to build our business the same way we would build a for-profit company, and, and it's working. You're in a city, obviously, you succeed at an alarming, successful rate, but what are some of the, or the one biggest challenge you have when you're in a community to be able to pull a deal off? Uh, you know, it's changed over time. Originally, the biggest challenge was well, Ripken, that's Baltimore. We're in Oklahoma City. What do, you, what do we care about Baltimore? Uh, that's changed as our, as our work reputation has gotten out there, as word has spread. Uh, I think the biggest challenge is it's very hard to find a sustainable existing program because that's what we need to partner with. And in some cases, it's just not there. And it's uh, very hard. And, but once we go in and we say we're coming, we do not turn back. So uh, that's probably our biggest challenge. What do you say to the Charles Parkleys of the world? He'd probably recant the statement right now uh, if he had a chance. But that athletes are not role models and they have no obligation to give back. Well, I disagree with the statement that they're not role models. You know, whether or not they have an obligation to give back is for someone else to, mm -hmm. to decide. I mean, I don't judge people like that but they are role models whether they like it or not because that's who these kids are watching and who they're imitating and who they want to be like I do think we all have an obligation because we're all role models to these kids to do the right thing do what we say we're going to do and that's what we try and teach the kids in our programs how do you and Cal feel when you're about to watch the first game played in a new facility that you've just caused to be open it is the most overwhelmingly wonderful feeling you can imagine. 
to see these kids come on to it's their field we build these million dollar fields and we give it to the community it's theirs not ours they own it uh, and what we often do is we'll put a ribbon out and instead of the mayor uh, you know and the people with all the money cutting the ribbon we'll have the kids run through the ribbon picture those kids lined up so excited cannot wait for uh, the you know the chaperones to say go and these kids come running out and they run through the ribbon uh, on this lush green you know the synthetic turf is beautiful green or whatever color you want by the way you can have purple too we have a purple one <laughs> yeah, I'm sure um, uh, it's overwhelming Cal Ripken's vision Steve Salem is in very good hands thank you very much thank you very much appreciate it so Steve has a lot of diverse interests, and obviously Cal, not only the on-the-field and the fan academy stuff, but the foundation stuff, real important. What strikes you about what you heard from Steve? Well, it strikes me that, you know, he could as easily be running, uh, you know, a regional beverage company um, or a niche beverage company as he is running a foundation. Um, that is, that's, a neg- that's not a negative. It's to say that, you know, he realizes he needs strong local partners. He talks about his biggest issue being finding sustainable existing programs to fund. Um, he talks about investing in the core product and finding like-minded people, you know, to plug into that. And I think that's it. You know, you have a lot of different programs, sports programs, um, disguised as philanthropies across the, you know, across America. Uh, some of them are scouting organizations. Some of them are shills for sneaker companies. Uh, th- there are any number of things. Um, in this particular case, though, the Ripken Foundation is, you know, gold standard of these things. And the idea that, you know, he realize, he has the same dynamics working on him as if he were in any other business and he really balances it and he looks at his growth and he looks at how, you know, the, the cost of building these great playgrounds that they build. Um, so I, I think it, he has a good approach to it. It's a solid approach to it. Um, but you, you and, and they're smart, I think, not to concentrate on baseball. You know, he talked a little bit about obesity and diet habits and he doesn't really care what the kids do as long as they improve their lives. Um, that's the right attitude because, quite frankly, American youth doesn't love baseball (laughs) you know that's the reality of it baseball is increasingly becoming an international sport um the feeder systems for the u.s are going into basketball and other things so you don't get you know you're not going to captivate kids um around baseball anymore and that's they're smart to uh to look around a bit well and and they're smart to to find somebody like cal and the foundation to not only generate some interest, remember Major League Baseball and the Play Ball Initiative and Baseball in the Other Cities are part of this big press conference next week in Washington, but it's also that they need to focus on the important parts of youth in the game, but it's also STEM, it's training, it's kids, it's uh, youth to uh, to be trained at skills that they may not otherwise have. It's females, so right? It's women. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The you know the women in, in sports is really important to Cal and his foundation as well. Right. So the bottom line of all of this is baseball obviously needs some improvements, but with Cal Ripken and the foundation moving in the right direction, they're in very good hands, at least as part of it. I mean, look at the growth. He has like, I mean, his growth, he said 12 years ago, they, they raised a million dollars. And uh, today they, their goal is $35 million, which they expect to, to at least hit. So, I mean, if you look at that kind of growth, it shows that they've engaged the right communities, they've engaged the right partners. And where do you go from there? And how do you, you know, you talked about scale. Well, how do you scale? He talked a lot about urban areas. What about rural areas, which are so in, underserved technologically? How, how do you come in and 
take over a, a facility in a in a rural area and wire it for the internet. <laughs> you know, like all that all that is part of the scale equation, and in America, that that that's part of the equation. And and you, you got to think they're on the right track. And, and yes, and Major League Baseball has an initiative called Play Ball, and they're working with the U.S. Conference of Mayors, as we've talked about before. Not only in the 30 plus major league markets, but all those 160 minor league markets which take care of many rural areas. Is it enough? Clearly not, but they're moving in the right direction. Everybody's excited about the All-Star Game. I'm particularly excited about the Home Run Derby. We'll talk soon. Ricardo, speak with you next week. Thanks for listening to this edition of Keeping Score. Our producer, Alex Cohen. Associate producer, Freddie Joyner. Assistance provided by Carlos Waddick, Tanner Simpkins, Jesse Leeds, and Jamie Swimmer. And the executive editor of Reuters Digital, Dan Calaruso. I'm Ricaro. Thanks again for listening. See you next time on Keeping Score.